Hi lovely people, Martha here. I'm just dropping by to leave a short disclaimer in case you're wondering how come the last few uploads are so long, 45 minutes long uh, for some. It's because in this month of May, we are running a series called the May Career Mentors Magic. And the intention is to curate a space where we are bringing together couple of professionals from across different industries who have taken unlikely paths and who have approached their careers in a strategic, intentional and sometimes disruptive ways and to bring them together to share their stories with us because we truly believe everyone has a powerful story and when we listen to stories we can draw different learnings for ourselves so the next nine also uploads will take a different direction from the usual but i hope that you enjoy them and you get to learn or pick one insight that might shift how you look at your career in the moment and in the future as well thank you always for listening and for sharing and looking forward if you can make it to the next Mentors Magic session that will be running in May. Awesome. Nice to have you. Uh, as always, uh, for you, it's the first time you're coming in from the other side, but I think the audience knows that uh, this, this space, the next 45 minutes is really a conversation where we get to hear more about your journey and some of the lessons along the way. And hopefully those who are, who are what has happened is many different people have left with different insights for themselves. And that has been quite powerful in terms of how people are taking that forward. So no pressure on you, you're just here to tell your story. <laughs> I will try, I will certainly try. Awesome, so I will do a brief intro of Eric um, and then I'll throw it over to you. So Eric has over 10 years uh, of work experience navigating in very, very different and random and spontaneous and global and uh, innovative type of roles. Um, and his experience is really powerful and also relates to the conversation that um, we are having today about building unconventional careers and following your curiosity. So Eric is like, you know, the father of following curiosity from business to innovation and law to working in Latin America. We can't wait to hear how all these things have connected and how they have brought you to where you are today. Yeah. Awesome. So, and I don't want to say too much of it. So why don't you introduce yourself actually, giving us a little bit of, of like snapshots of how you spent those 10 years in different type of roles. Okay, cool. Thank you so much for this opportunity and um, for this platform. I think it's a very needed platform. Uh, as mother intimated, I am Eric Mongi Karaoke. I have 10 plus years on basically curious journeys, uh, navigating um, who I wanted to be, who I am, and who I possibly want to become. So currently, as I stand, I head up an innovation hub 
that supports uh, entrepreneurs working in the justice space. Today, that's what my role is. Tomorrow, maybe something completely different. So how did I get there? So like many of you, I went through the traditional route of going to A, school, uh, primary, secondary, then landing on a university doorstep. Obviously, with the curious question is that, who do I want to become eventually? There are many answers to that at the very beginning. Much of it was shaped by obviously my, my parents and my peers. At some point, my dad was like, hey, I would love you to be a cardiologist. And I was like, yeah, we think we'll need to do something about biology because and, and my fear or aversion to blood because I don't think I'm landing there. So um, quick, he landed me in telling me, oh, I think you can do BCom. And I was like, really, dad, I don't think I'm a BCom kind of person. So in campus, I did something called business information technology. Initially, I took it thinking like fantastic, a good combination of IT and business skills, only to realize it was largely IT skills as I was learning and a bit of sprinkle of, of business. So the problem when you're doing my, the degree I did was that IT is such a huge area. You know, you have software development, networks, uh, security, cryptography, uh, AI, and I was like, uh, you know, it reaches your third year and you're like, so, you need to choose a path. And I'm like, well, I do not really know what I needed to, to do. So I ended up saying, okay, let me try a few things out. Um, but before I go into, you know, jumping into doing the typical thing they tell you, do professional courses, jumping into a specific line specialized, I decided, you know what, I've never really, um, I took a year and a half doing a project and I was running an international conference uh, in Nairobi, which was, it, I had never done, I'd, I'd done conferences before, I've done organization, I've done logistics, but at the level that you bring in 110 countries, uh, uh, basically over 600 participants for 110 countries here, and managing the magnitude of such a stakeholder engagement was mind blowing. Uh, but I did that. I actually spent, you know, I'm, at the time, I'm not really earning, I'm earning peanuts, I'm not really earning a lot. And that honest, was you are not earning anything. <laughs> But yeah, going. <laughs> and I think uh, the general progression was like, wow, okay, my mom was like, okay, after you finish this project, fine, it's good, you're learning something, you probably should go and now get a nine to five job, become serious. And I was like, then I remember um, as the conference coming to an end, uh, somebody hits me up, um, we're having a bit of, we, I was working for a student organization, a global student organization, and uh, one of, um, she was the national president for Kenya. She's like, how do you feel about going to Zimbabwe for a period of six months just to learn um, how the country is doing and to help it grow? And I was like, hmm, that sounds very uh, interesting. Why not? So I packed up my luggage. It was a five-day uh, bus ride to Harare, Zimbabwe. I got conned two hundred dollars in in the border between Tanzania and Zambia, but I finally spent around five months uh, in Zimbabwe. At the time, you know, it has just come from recession. We're still entering the uh, it was still unstable, but it was a great opportunity. I learned a lot. I formed uh, a lot of long term friendships, and I learned that hey, um, you can really challenge yourself. So I was not really done. After that, I was like, hmm, 
I've loved this experience, but I'm not ready to go back to Kenya yet. I would love to another experience. So I said, okay, let me drop by Kenya as a pit stop, as I head off to a new adventure. And I said, um, I've never tried Latin America before. So let me go <laughs> and apply for opportunities in, in, in Latin America, which ended up me last ending up for one year um, journey managing three countries, very diverse countries, uh, Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay. Uh, yes, and I did not speak Spanish. Uh, the only one word I landed with is hola, uh, estas? Uh, only to learn that it's a bit butchered in, in, in Chile with komotai, and in Argentina is a completely different way to pronounce it. But it was the one year of learning, um, one, uh, how a new language, you still are expected to perform because yeah. uh, <laughs> people there expect, you know, you are head of HR, and you're managing all these diverse students uh, from across 20 cities because you know, it's very city-based. And in the whole process, you're also trying to figure yourself out. Like, okay, what next? What does this mean for me uh, in my journey? And should I go back after? So you know, I've done logistics, fundraising. I'm now doing uh, a bit of human resource. But I studied IT. So do we like go back to IT? Mm -hmm. So I came back uh, a year later, uh, spent some, I think five months out, you know, on the on the on the job tarmac looking for a good job, something that would be inspirational. Uh, worked for an education institution, still in uh, in HR. And then after that, I would go in to do, you know, manage talent resourcing for a multinational company. Um, focusing on how I could reach uh, building IT systems that support human uh, HR, but still working around understanding HR and also now getting into employment law for almost in five countries, which was very challenging, but very exciting at the same time. And then another, I was like, uh, I've never, I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So two of my co-founders hit me up like, hey, Eric, we have this opportunity to go into business together. We had worked, you know, uh, in that conference some seven years ago, and we're like, oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I liked you guys, we worked together. So I ended up doing, going into entrepreneurship. Wow, well, <laughs> who has done business? <laughs> it does from the outside look very, it is fulfilling and very exciting, but it's also very tough. And one of the things that you realize is, is that you learn to give more and to let it drive the passion to drive you forward, not the pockets. Yeah. I mean, I was at some point, I was broke, super broke. I mean, my mom was paying for my rent at some point. I was like, and you know, it brings you, you know, being a firstborn, being a, a man, it, it feels sometimes, um, it really does hit on your self-esteem because you know, you're expected like uh, you're the head of, you know, you're the head of the family, you're, you know, you're firstborn, you should be making headways also financially. And yeah, I was struggling in entrepreneurship. But yeah. for me, it was an incredible journey. I learned a lot um, in terms of driving value, creating value, positioning value, mm -hmm. and most importantly, just learning to what it takes in terms of your own greed to, to push you know, stuff and keep on going. Um, and then now I'm here doing um, innovation and law, 
People think I'm a lawyer. I tell them you never said you anything before. <laughs> I can't handle myself with lawyers. Yeah. But I'm always passionate about how can we provide innovative solutions to uh, enable people to get access to justice. So that's sort of the journey and conventional journey I've taken. Um, I'm now ready for another shift. I'm thinking uh, in a few years, I'm, I'm going into educational psychology with and back with a bit of my IT background in um, artificial neural networks um, as part of, because something I'm passionate about and I'm, I'm starting to work towards there. So that's Wow, me. Eric, you know, you're just speaking and I'm like, damn, I even forgot the multinational company. And yes. all that drama. Oh my God, yeah. it's been quite all right for you. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing all that. And yeah. you know, I could feel the journey from Kenya to Zimbabwe to Latin America back here, all the stuckness of looking for a job. But I think two main things that came up from you, from you just sharing that is that make me curious to take the conversation towards that side is one, what is it in you that drives you to be so curious and to actually follow your curiosity? Because for many think, people, this is not a thing, you know? Um, I had, I mean, for, for what makes me curious, I think largely has been from a point. I've always been inquisitive. And, and open-minded to exploring new things. Um, I've always also never had sort of like, at some point, you know, I wanted, I had that, um, I call it crisis of mm. identity, which comes in with that, who am I? And should my career define me who I am? And mm -hmm. sometimes it's, it's, you know, it's, it's easy to say that, and a lot of it happens to us because our jobs become our identity. Uh, you're a doctor, you're a professor, you're ever. And unfortunately, I, I found that I really get easily bored in being one thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you tell me, yes, I can go deep into a subject, but always I wanted to connect the dots. Like, okay, so how does, IT connect with HR, how did HR connect with psychology? Because for me, it's always this embodiment of a fully human experience. Yeah. Um, but also one of the things I, 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 I realized, I moved the conversation away from just, because for me, career had always been molded in terms of a job. So there's the identity one thing, but then there's this bare element of a job. Like it's something to help you uh, find sustenance. Uh, it's, it's sort of, can I live? How can I see my life not as compartments, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, but fully integrated. And then I said, okay, for me to me, what's the kind of lifestyle I want to I want to lead? And I said, okay, I want to travel. Mm -hmm. I want to um, meet interesting people and have interesting conversations. But most also important, I want to contribute. And I realized largely I can't contribute if I'm a very one-sided uh, aspect. So I, I bring in all different aspects of myself together. I want to. And that's <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite powerful, this whole idea of creating our own lives and not making our careers become what we are. Like, and there's a thin difference, especially when you're very passionate about what you do at the same time, yeah? And it, it takes me back yes. to what you said earlier about um, who do I want to become, you know? And I'm curious, how did you, yeah. how did that question yeah. come up for you? Where did it come from? Who, who planted it in your head in the first place? Um, I think I would say different people. So um, a lot of, I guess often, you know, when you're growing up, that is a very evident question that, you know, you find your elders, your parents, your, yeah. you know, your uncles, are all, or your teachers are asking, so who do you want to become? Yeah. And Zole sort of, by asking that question, they expect a singular answer. Yeah. I want to become a doctor. I mean, we just recently saw it from, you know, uh, there is the candidates who just finished their KCSE and they were being asked, so who do you want to become? Yeah. And I realized it was a very, very difficult question. Uh, question. The knowledge, the in-depth knowledge of those fields to really claim that position. I couldn't say, yes, I want to become a doctor. I've never been a doctor. I do not know the rigors. I've never been in that situation to say, yeah, confidently this is the path I could. So once I said, I cannot answer that question. So I need to begin my journey and the conversation at, let me explore these various options, mm -hmm. see where they lead. And as I go into them, figure out who I am and what do I enjoy, mm -hmm. but also, in that process, you, you learn a lot of about yourself. Uh, a lot of, for me, was I learned that I needed clarity. Uh, clarity is very important. Where am I going? But then there's also a need for, you know, sort of control and stability, because you always want to, like, I know what I want to do. I'll focus there. I'll, I'll, I'll drive that. But then you realize the more you walk that path is that, life doesn't give you, you know, that doesn't offer you that sense of control and stability. Things shift yeah. very quickly. Um, and I, I saw it working, you know, in, in, in corporate where decisions were made on the go, the market shifted and people lost their, uh, or, or, or somebody, you know, uh, lost social status and identity because they were so beholden to an idea of who they were based on their job. And then that wasn't working. So yeah. I needed to grow something more fulfilling and that was came down to purpose. Um, life is short, I always say life is so short and precious and we need for the time that we have mm -hmm. to make the best and most of it. And for us to do that needs to always anchor ourselves that what is our purpose? And how do we become our purpose? Wow. <laughs> I, will, I will pause on the purpose conversation right there because that might take us on a whole, I might keep us for another three hours. But if yeah. you are now to like put it this together for let's say I, someone who is like a young professional listening right now, uh, I want to follow my own curiosity. I'm interested in many things. 
what yeah. are like one or two things you'd advise on how to do that sustainably? Most of the questions that come to mind are obviously finances. Yeah. Yes. I have led the yes. same life of curious, following my curiosity. So I know finances is not really the issue. But what are what are some of the I don't know tips or mindset to navigate that journey of following your or your curiosity in a sustainable way? You know that uh, of course you're not becoming over dependent on your parents. Um, you're still mm -hmm. able to do two three things that you actually want, but it's mm -hmm. efficient, it's effective, and you're because the other trap that um, people might fall into is chasing many things and not solidifying it, not taking a step back to put it together and ask yourself, how, where is this leading? Is it still connected to my purpose and where I'm headed? So if you can just mm -hmm. touch a little bit about how to approach that following my curiosity, whether it's early years of your career or later in a sustainable way, and, okay. then, and then, yeah, let me not put the other one. I'll tell you where we'll go after that. Okay, fantastic. It's, 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 it's definitely one of those hard questions. Is, um, yeah. Because at the end of the day, man must eat. And, and uh, you can't just say, you know what, uh, unless you're privileged enough to have very yeah. deep pockets uh, to, to run that way. But where I begin, obviously, is... Fundamentally, the first question is to ask yourself, um, what, a, what does a career mean to me? And this needs a lot of introspection and self-awareness. And the reason I ask that one is that, as I said earlier, career means is often the early conversations of career are shaped by other people. It's your parents, it's the need for stability and security. It's also your social capital and standing in society. Like, oh, I, I, I value being driving that V8 uh, and having this sort of standing. So you have to start yeah. with what do you want and what does a career mean for you? Yeah. And then, but see, the second bit is asking the question is that, what do I know about myself now? And also what do I not know? Because sometimes you have certain things that you really know about yourself. Like I know, I like, Field work. I like going to. Um, I, I I like playing gamifications. You know, there are things you already enjoy. Yeah. Then asking yourself, okay, um, keeping a very. It begins that the work doesn't start five down, five years down the line. Doesn't start when you've gotten a good a good stable job that gives you enough um, money to give you that security. It begins with simple as, okay, in where with what, wherever I am, with what I have, what can I do with it? So that means, do you have interests or hobbies that you can explore given where you are? Do you volunteer? Some of the most interesting places you, you, you know, you discover about yourself is just, but I'll say, okay, I'll take half a day every weekend to volunteer and do something, you know, that I enjoy. I am very huge in hobbies. Personally, every weekend is filled up with, it's about building your village. Uh, we are not expected and should not be expected to have all the answers. Often it's uh, surrounding yourself with people who inspire, challenge you, and also reinforce and reaffirm 
seeing people who uh, are living the kind of careers of life that you'd want to emulate and learning from them. And as you learn, as you grow for, with these people, you, you, it gives you some ideas, okay, maybe this is not the right path. Or I do love this aspect of that kind of job, but not the whole total part of it. Um, you have to embrace discomfort. Curiosity is embracing fear. Mm-hmm. Um, because you are taking a leap of faith that if I jump here, I may not fully uh, be able to, to navigate the waters. Yeah. It, it also meaning that you're also smart enough uh, when you're making a few, you know, the few amount of money you're making and, you know, you're, you're learning to save up, investing in your own development from the get-go. So I always say, so you want to shift completely from one career to another. Um, shifting means it's, it's sort of an investment in time and in money and in networks because you're yeah. starting completely from scratch. So it means that it could mean I'm getting going back to school to get either a professional certification or getting a, a whole new degree or master's. It could mean but that you're actually gonna, if you're, you're in a, for people who later in, this, in their career stage that you're in a very plum job, which you've built for the last 10 years, you're, yeah. it's earning you money. And this shit means it's half your paycheck gone. Yeah. How do you navigate that? So sustainability for me always comes to knowing, being open, knowing what you want, building a village around you, being also logistically prepared and knowing what you need to give up because there is some level of of sacrifice that you have to do. But always asking the, I call it the inconvenient question. Does this shift, is the risk of losing my current standing mm-hmm. worth it to get what I'm looking for? Because it, it's a risk and risk yeah. come with that bit. Like I already have masters, knowledge, skills, network, social. And you're actually saying I'm trading this out to a yeah. degree to build that, um, to, to get what this new thing I want. Um, yeah, I think my general take out Yeah, and those are really important points. And I really love where you started on, you have to know what you want and what you know about yourself, what you don't know, the sacrifices that come along the way. Because a lot of times we think, we don't think, we don't want to think about the pain, you know, we just want to think about the transition, these amazing things I'm going to try. I'm sure it wasn't easy living in a foreign country, managing three countries, which of which you don't speak the foreign language, but somehow... You had to navigate that and deliver results for a period of a one year. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's really powerful. Thanks for sharing. And I also love this question about what can I do right now with what I have? There's always something we can do right now with what we have, even if that means saving 1,000 shillings for the next three years until I get whatever that number. Math is not my strength. Yeah, until I get that number that helps me pay for that certification or go for that um, global exposure, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I remember when I first for my when I went for my first global experience to India, and I had to 
networks, having a global village, we are going there very shortly. Because when I was in university, I was always very curious. I was taking up very many different things. I was, um, I was exposing myself to anything possible that was not partying every weekend. Yeah, uh, yeah. I still did party, <laughs> <laughs> just to be fair. Um, but what these experiences did for me is like half, half of my skills, I learned them in uni. Half yeah. of the skills I used 10 years later on facilitation, event management, um, bringing people together. I learned all that stuff 10, over 10 years ago in uni. Yeah. So there's so much you can do with what you have, even, and money is never the, yeah. the number one thing of it, you know? Yeah. And then the power of the village, before we get there, what I wanted to share from my own experience is because of me doing that, yeah. one of the guys that I, I knew got me a, a job, a part-time job, those random things for some NGO wants someone to organize a conference. I had organized conferences in KU for like two years, yeah, the yeah. annual career fair. So he's like, yeah. and all those other ISEC things. So he's like, yeah, I know two girls. So he calls me and my friend. So I worked there, we were paid like 12K. Yeah. You know, so that, that was my pocket money for my summer, yeah. for my summer, uh, for my summer, whatever, for my summer, yeah. what was it? Summer project in, in Gujarat, India. Yeah. So like, there's so much you can go into that, but I totally love it. You just brought back yeah. all that university fire. Yeah. So before we go to village, uh, the power of the village. Let, network, let me add, I would like to add some yeah, two yeah. anecdotes of mm -hmm. stories. Um, sometimes you look back and you're like, what? I remember when I was in campus, so you had to get, uh, you know, they require you to do the attachment as part of your course, um, which is third year. And often the challenge is people are like, I'm a student, I have never had, you know, because they require, you need to write a proper resume or CV and you need to submit it. And you're like, but I don't have an experience. <laughs> um, and I remember when I wrote my first CV, what I wrote down was based on things I had done when I was in high school. So in high school, we had the pleasure that every semester, you, uh, the, the term break, you'd be given opportunity to work in an organization. And I remember my, curiously that I worked, I tell people today, you know, I worked in KWS for a month fixing Nairobi National Park fences. I was in the park <laughs> fixing. And I was like, wow, okay, it gave me such a wealth of knowledge. Or I worked in high court library. Mind you, that was my first interaction with law. Doing, dealing with judges and lawyers, getting help in there. And those were simple uh, experiences that later on I did, you know, I could put in my resume and say, wow, okay, me, I have not worked uh, that in a professional office, but here have been my experiences. Mm -hmm. In my second year of campus, I was in India again, working in a summer camp, um, teaching kids between the ages of nine to 16, how to rappel down a mountain cliff, which myself I had never done. But I was like, if the, the nine-year-old can do it, <laughs> I can as well as well learn. And much of what I learned there, I've used it a lot on designing and developing training and facilitation programs when I worked in corporate. I was like, okay, how do we create? And, and some people say, hey, you're good in this. It was like, yeah, I was, in the middle of another country, teaching kids how to do things even I had never done in my life. Yeah. So nothing is ever lost. That's all the point I want to see. 
everything you do gains you knowledge and skills or networks. Because for the, I realized the last four jobs I've gotten, it was through introduction. I didn't mm -hmm. apply. I was, uh, somebody told me, hey, I've seen you work and I, or I want to recommend you. Mm -hmm. And it has worked for me. So this is also the idea that nothing is ever lost. Yeah. And we should take each experience, embrace it, because it pans out in the end. Great. So how have all connectors, connectors in like one, two sentences, yeah. how from BBIT to mm -hmm. Chile to teaching summer kids in India yeah. to working in a library, and now you're running an innovation hub for law. And yeah. like how all those dots suddenly connect and you're using all your skills. It's fantastic. It's a very good question. So one of the things is that my role involves today uh, supporting you know, young innovators who are looking to make a difference in the world, especially in the justice area. And a lot of that requires, you know, um, use of technology. So one of the things is that, first and foremost, is because I come from an IT background, that when you're talking to me as an innovator about the new tech, you know, uh, uh, AI, blockchain, IoT, I'm like there, not cluelessly. And I'm always like, okay, I know what you're talking about. I have done that, I understand that, and I'm able to provide that support that's needed. Yeah. It's also because I have gone through the process of having to mentor, coach, and train people who, from very diverse background, who either I do not speak the language or had to use different model, that I can sit down and actually diagnose a problem and be able to best mentor and coach somebody. Because I'm always like, um, this, I've met all sorts of personalities <laughs> throughout my career. And sometimes when I'm dealing with a you know, very different kind of um, entrepreneurs, I'm always able to like, okay, I've met this personality before. I also understand how the rigors that comes to running a, a, a business because I've been an entrepreneur. I've, I've been there, I've done that. You know, talking to me about taxation, I tell you, I know about the taxation. Yeah. <laughs> it also helps me, and when I look back on the networks that I've built, when I'm talking with an entrepreneur who has this great ambitions to, you know, to, 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 to grow into other markets, mm -hmm. to, to, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, growing into Uganda and and I'm like, I know people there. I know yeah. somebody who can actually assist you talk to this person. Yeah. So all this is either the direct support and the direct skill I have mm -hmm. to help somebody uh, navigate their own growth and challenge, mm -hmm. but also it's also the practical things that I can offer, uh, yeah. connections, um, access to certain things that I have built over the time and have built uh, working in my own career. Um, but I think more than anything is the curious attitude, childlike attitude I have retained. Mm -hmm. I think for me, that's the most invaluable thing that I never come in from a point that I know everything. Mm -hmm. I actually, I, I usually follow the Soc Socrates approach. I know nothing, <laughs> but yeah. I'm open to learning. I'm open to exploring. I'm open to being uncomfortable. And even in my big age, I'm still constantly asking myself, what are the areas I can grow into? Um, what are the spaces I, I can occupy? But also respecting the fact that the people probably are there who can do better. And how can I connect with those people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Now let's talk about this whole idea of building a challenging and supportive uh, village that you're very passionate about, yeah. um, which in layman terms is the power of networks. Yes. And there's this quote about your network is your network. How would you summarize how that has brought you where you are? It has given me jobs, <laughs> where I didn't, uh, it was through referrals and recommendations. One thing you learn as you go, um, and I've, I've done a lot of hiring over the years uh, and been part of the hiring process. And one thing I learned distinctly is that um, in your early stages of career, it's, it's, it's built on your meritocracy. People give you a lot of slack that, you know, he doesn't know any, here is your CV, your experience will run with that. But as you navigate more further into your career, who you know really matters. Mm -hmm. uh, who is willing to recommend you matters. And how do people recommend you? Is that they have worked with you, they have confidence in your character, in your values, and in your work ethic. And yeah. it's so it has given me directly jobs. Um, as an entrepreneur, it has enabled me get clients. I have been able these people who, oh yeah, he's good. You know who virtually he can consult for your work. And, and that means directly I've gotten many of jobs because of that. But also it has given me access to a wealth of knowledge and even mentorship because I have met people who have directly contributed to my own growth in terms of coaching me or mentoring me because um, they knew about me or somebody recommended me to them. And I was like, okay, I'm learning. Uh, I didn't know <laughs> I was known that much and it has helped me actually in my own, um, my own self-development. So it's, it's, it goes, but I think lastly, which I will take very invaluably during, especially during my entrepreneurship career is the power of support mm -hmm. and the power of mental health and mental support and, and, and soundboards. Because you know, when you are running your own business, half the time you don't know what you're doing. Actually, majority of the time you don't know what you're doing. You're figuring things out. You're just figuring shit out. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes it can be strenuous. Because as I said, you need to survive. Uh, you know, for you, if you don't uh, close a deal, the lights, uh, it's either it means letting go of your employees or not paying salaries, or it means in essence, that even you don't know how to get to your next month's rent. And it's when you have a network of people you can lean on who have been through this journey and you know, like, I'm going through this. Can you give me some of how you do it or even help you navigate your own emotional and mental upheaval? That it creates a solid rock for you to move forward. Um, yeah. And, 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 and it, it really, for me, like I remember one of my friends who was an entrepreneur West. He said, you know what, I know you're going through, he had been in an entrepreneur for three years before. He told me, you know what, uh, I'm going to schedule one, uh, uh, one meetings every once a month with you and me. We talk mm -hmm. uh, about how you're doing, what support do you need? And I will share also what I'm going through. That helped me for a whole year. That was like, I was always expect expectant about this meeting because they, they, they give me strength and greet when uh, things are also not very rosy. Yeah.
such powerful it's good that you have such a friend and for everybody else who is listening of course that's from an entrepreneurial angle but this could also be um if you follow me on my linkedin i think the last few weeks i've really been writing a lot about the conversations and the spaces and the networks that we are in and how they shape who we become and how we live our careers and i'm really big on this whole idea of normalizing asking for help so it can this these same conversations can be if you don't have a mentor, it could be with a friend who you totally trust that they can hold that space for you. Yeah. And if you don't have that person right now, it's good to start asking yourself, how do how can I create or bring this type of relationships that are intentional and supportive from a true genuine place, not from a oh comparison jealousy bullshit, you know? yeah uh, but, you know like people who really genuinely want to support you um how do you approach building such relationships and networks authenticity matters uh authenticity means you are honest about your needs and what you want and and it's from a place of that you want to deeply change the reason i say authenticity matters is because one of the key we live in a very uh, low trust or trust deficit society uh, people sometimes are very unwilling to help because people have been banned uh helping people yeah. And, and 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 when you're building especially a network of mentors and and coaches who will in the process of you know mentoring you know coaching you will share their personal journeys they need to trust you but it means from a place that you're already an authentic person you're an honest person you have a person with integrity yeah. so authenticity matters number one the second is vulnerability um Yes, I can be authentic, but if I'm not willing to self-disclose and share what is really happening within my orbit and the challenges I'm facing, it's very difficult to build trust. Because remember, networks are about trust. The key glue that connects people is trust and, yeah. and, and fidelity. Um, the third element for me is integrity. And that's for me, it's just having, being somebody who can, you know, who is trustworthy and somebody who can be held uh like people can honestly trust and then say yeah you will not break uh you'll be loyal to whatever we share so it's bringing this mix of of, of you know authenticity vulnerability and integrity that makes you genuine and people want to you know uh help you yeah people are drawn to that exactly yeah. people who are also authentic vulnerable and integral will be drawn to that very very yeah. true yeah. um so be, i can see there's one question so everybody who is listening i hope you're still with us it would be amazing thank you sarah for your question um it would be amazing if you can already start uh sending in your questions we are going there in like two minutes um one final thing eric about so what we have heard so far from you about this whole journey of building an unconventional career is this idea of self-awareness being very very clear about what is it that you want with your life 
um, living from a place where there's you're not putting too much seriousness and attachment to your career that it defies who everything that you are. We've talked about it's a risky journey. You have to know what are you willing to sacrifice and also also know that on the other side of fear is success. So how do you balance that fear? Yes. We've talked about um, we all have different realities and spectrums under which we can play. You know, we can yeah. follow our curiosities, we can do the things we are interested in. Yeah. Um, so being much more strategic and intentional, asking yourself, what can I do with what I have right now? Sure. Um, so we've talked about all these things. And one final thing that would be amazing to share is this idea of unconventional selves and workplaces. Uh, yes. Um, it's a truth that you will not fit in in every space that you are invited in or you go into. Your playground is as equally important to your unconventional lifestyle. And the reality is this, that um, if you choose, you know, I want to live this kind of lifestyle, I want to chase this kind of career, then you have to operate or enter into spaces that are, uh, are willing, either they are very elastic enough to sort of include you and willing yeah. to change, or they are very aligned to, to you because um, our community or the spaces that you occupy shape who we are and give life and propulsion to what we want to, you know, we are pursuing. So if you're in a workspace that is more like a straight jacket, because, you know, yeah, I remember um, when I came back uh, those years ago, you know, back from Latin America, I applied for a job in Citibank. Cause I was like, at the time I was like, I need a job, I needed money. Yeah. <laughs> I'd spent a lot. And I remember one of the feedback, uh, I didn't get the job. And one of the feedback I got from these guys was like, given all that you do and this kind of career, we, we don't feel you would stay. We'd feel you come, spend a few, you know, warm the seat, do a few things, and then eventually go. And then later on, I was like, that's the best feedback I've gotten in a recruitment process. But yeah. it was never about my skill. It was they realized that, yes, he's, he can do the job. But this is not the space he should be operating in. And this is not the space for me. Because that would, I would have, I can just imagine me wearing this gray suits and, and coming eight to five. I can't imagine. A job. <laughs> it's like, it's so not me, it's not my personality. Yeah. So it's also figuring out as you go in it. Um, and this is, as I said, some spaces are elastic enough to include you and to invite uh, that you can grow into. Others uh, are the perfect fit. And then lastly, others you have to create for yourself. It's, it's just uh, realizing sometimes the kind of uh, space that you want to occupy doesn't exist. Doesn't exist, yeah. Uh, 
they are constraints. I mean, they're either because of the social, you know, society that you live in, and then that means you have to like, okay, how do I create for that? And that's why I love like working with innovators because I'm only seeing them doing that. They come from, especially those who shift from uh, employment. Yeah. They're like, you know what? I didn't like uh, the kind of lifestyle I was leading when I was employed in a corporate setting. I want to create a very bohemian working organization. And for you to do that, you have to be bold. It's not. You have the time is that you're working through your own preconceived biases and prejudices that you've built over time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. So we have yeah. a question here from Sarah. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for your question. And she asks, what are the what are the impacts of changing careers? That's the big headline. For example, yeah. you already have a certain experience in a field where you have gone up the ladder, then changing careers means you have to start at entry level, which could mean lower salary. Is there a way to go to way to avoid going down? I have an answer, but please, Eric, do, just do, <laughs> okay. let, let me so, hold myself back. <laughs> okay. So I'm gonna start with just a general uh, question, which, um, uh, what are the impacts? Definitely, if your, your career is your identity, it means you will go through what you call, uh, career changes are not only, I always say the transition is not only logistical, it's cognitive, it's intellectual, it's emotional, it's social. Because at the end of the day, if you're built around an identity around, like say, being an accountant or being a doctor, it means, it's accepting that I'm no longer that. And also it means losing certain social capital which you've built within of that career yeah. where I was respected. Now people think, what's wrong with you? It could mean as we rightly pointed out that yeah, money may, it means starting lower than you uh, or getting paid less than, uh, than you were earning before. And this connected to this, it also means a shift in lifestyle. Uh, if you're coming from a plush uh, job in corporate where, you know, drinks every Friday were paid for, travel was a business class, <laughs> flight every other, it means now if you're shifting to something that is less that, it's that you're downgrading your lifestyle. So it's a question that uh, first and foremost is recognizing, uh, is the change for you more important than these other things, lifestyle, money, identity. It is, then you can suck it up and you probably do well. And you will eventually go back to the same level you were playing at. Sometimes it doesn't mean that. It means, it could mean, I remember I was once hired um, in a company to, uh, you know, the corporate job I was hired was from, because the fact that my boss didn't believe in hiring people directly for who had a HR background, but from multiple skill set, one from marketing, I had from the IT. So it could mean that uh, that shift can be also rewarding in as far as the skill set you already have that you've yeah. built over the years is needed in this new sector. And therefore they're like, we are bringing you on board because uh, yes, it's not an area that you have worked in, but you bring in this, a lot of wealth into it. It has happened to me in the sense that I didn't have any knowledge of justice and law, but I had a wealth of experience in entrepreneurship. So I was coming in, yes, it's a shift into this, but I have the skill set that they needed. So it's never a loss, but as I said, 
depending on how revolutionary or evolutionary your career shift is, yeah. it may mean sacrifice. And yeah. it's asking yourself whether it's worth it. Absolutely. It comes back to intention, strategy, and really laying out the pros and cons. And what I love to say about transition, the challenge with transition, and I keep saying this a million times, is we wake up, we want to transit, and then we think our transferable skills are already acceptable and complete for the other, for the other world. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. So you will need to think sometimes two or three years ahead of your trans yeah. of the of your due date of getting to the other side and Sarah working backwards is a lot of questions about your skill set, about the you learning the industry, building new networks, um, figuring out how can you and, and we discussed this, I think, in the last in the last um in the last session or the other one, I don't remember which one, but I would encourage you, Sarah, to listen to the past recordings once you get that email. But we yeah. briefly touched on this as well. Like, how can you build experience of the industry you're going to while you're while you're in a different industry? Because it's it's very simple. You'll be applying for a job with 100, 200 people who all have experience and you only have skills, it can't work. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to like consider all these things um, and then uh, map out a plan that gets you to the other level. Yeah. So we are just about to finish. Um, I am wondering if there's anybody else with any question. Thank you, Sarah, so much. And I'm just about to figure out how to launch a poll over here. Um, so Eric, meanwhile, you can take a breath. I know it's been a lot of talking. Yeah, but if anyone else has a question, feel to jump in. It's, it's meant to be a conversation. Yes. Once again, I... Great. I want to assume that, um, oh, there's a question, Newton, uh, probably our last one for tonight, it's already 7.34. Do you make definite three, five, 10 year plans or keep changing? These days you only make two months, two months plans. One week, <laughs> one week is your, one week is enough, sufficient, or like the next two hours. Okay, I'm joking, but I'm also serious. <laughs> There's that, and then there's a question from Mosuri. What's next for you, Eric? So you can respond okay. to both. Cool. Um, so I'll start with Newton. Okay. Four years ago, I made a 10-year plan. I still have the 10-year plan. But one thing I realized was that it so much you as you grow and as you change, you also change you. You become something else. So the, the mindset I used to create the initial plan, mm -hmm. a year down the line, it's, uh, it's completely different because as I grow, I've also changed. So what I learned to do, what I did eventually is this. I said, what are the 10 things, first, what is important for me in terms of life? And what are the key milestones I want to achieve in the 10 years or things I want you know, to have, have achieved? Then I think in actual terms of, so I already know what I want to do in, you know, in 10 years. 
But in terms of hardcore planning that this is a me, I had to narrow it down to two, three years, like at least because I knew it was a more flexible, certain things uh, are within the scope that I can navigate within a three-year timeline. But uh, but as I every year, I sit down and I still look at that three-year plan and I'm like, remove this. It's no longer relevant or I'm no longer passionate about and I, I, I adjust. So it's not only important to have a plan, but also I think what we fail sometimes for those who are good planners is yeah. to continuously review and, and evolve and change as you get more input and new things happen to you. So what's next for you, Peg? Uh, so as I said, one of the areas, what's next for me? My next uh, challenge is that I want, I've always been passionate about education, but I realized uh, recently that I'm really passionate about how people learn, the science or the new neurobiology science of it. And one of the things I'm working on is I'm shifting towards doing educational psychology, uh, but I also want to build, um, combine it with something I was passionate when I was in campus when I was doing IT, that's artificial neural networks, which is around artificial intelligence. So I'm combining educational psychology, being an educator and learning what, how people learn. And so I can help organizations and individuals learn better and also working with artificial intelligence to see how we can create uh, artificial um, tools that can help people learn better. So that's something. Please <laughs> recruit me in that, like both. Like I will be your intern on the whole yeah. education psychology and AI. It's one of the things that I'm also really, really curious and passionate about yeah. for the next ten years. So, uh, so there's this question that if you are talented but not sure on what common among uh, students who haven't much experience in career. Um, so. For me, one thing I say is that we all have a talent. What we don't have is often the knowledge or the foresight of what that is. The reality is um, we can discover our talents by just being curious enough to explore different things. And I feel even students, yeah. if they are operating from the point of they're already taking uh, volunteer, they're volunteering, they are uh, chasing the, you know, trying out things. They, in, they have hobbies and a hobby, honestly, is not sitting um, in front of a TV for the whole weekend watching, uh, binge watching TV, that won't get you anywhere. It's really engaging with the world, engaging with people, um, going, uh, exploring your, your hobbies and interest, uh, following your curiosity certain patterns will start to match and that's what you need. Yeah. But the universe has a way of pointing directional arrows that this is really what you're good at and this is what you're interested in. Yeah. But you can only get there if you are in the, you've jumped into the pool and you're learning to swim. You cannot be a spectator in your life or you cannot lead with what people think you should be. You have to jump in there. And, an image will start imagining of what you are good at, um, what people say you're good at, what you discover you're good at, and then you can now try more to 
explore that field. And it, you may realize that, yeah, I like this area or I like this aspect and you grow from there. Fantastic. And that's a really, really amazing place to end. Jump into the pool or into the ocean, whatever it is, go there, swim, find the patterns, choose one, two things, pursue them and then see what happens. I think we are all, I like to say we are all figuring it out and we are all winging it. So we hear these stories so that we can pick different ideas, different uh, insights that can guide us to carve our own path because um, there is nothing really that is set on stone about I mean, I, if, if there was a certain stone curriculum about how to navigate our careers, we would all be signed up to that school. That's technically should be the universities, but that's again, another whole story. So I see there's still one more question. Um, is it advisable to build strengths in a different career to use in your first career? If you start out in law, do a course in start, then come back to apply it. Um, it Follow your interest, follow your curiosity. Maybe the two might end up combining at some point. Do some research. Where, where is law going? And are they using numbers? Is there innovation about that is linking the two? So then yeah. that might join that might guide what it is that you end up choosing to pursue. I would add this what Steve Jobs said. You never connect the dots forward. He always connects them backwards. It was in his interest of exploring design and arts, and yet he enjoyed, you know, computers, that he was able to converge them in terms of making beautiful computers. Yeah. So nothing's ever lost. Amazing. I spent three years of my university volunteering at the career department center, organizing career fairs. I would never have known 10 12 years later, I would be leading career coaching program. So you can never connect the dots forward. You can only connect them backwards. Thank you so much, Eric. This was amazing. Um, everybody is saying they are jumping into the pool and this was really valuable. This was insightful. And of course you receive an email uh, tomorrow with a link to this so that you can be able to listen to this over and over again. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, Eric, for your time and for such a wonderful conversation. This was really, really, really pushed us to the edge of thinking unconventionally about our career. So you nailed your mission in life. Thank you, Martha. I've enjoyed and I'd love to share a piece of me and I hope it serves all of you in some way. Thank you so much and all the best pursuing this whole new path of education, psychology and AI. So exciting.